play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Maligno. With me, as always, is the COVID-19 antibody flexor, Josh Crocker. What's up, Josh? Neil, how's it going? I'm doing great. Good, man. You're out there flexing. I'm proud of you. I can't flex anything, but... I'm realizing that I am not nearly the flexor of a lot of my fellow Oklahomans. Yeah. You know, they probably don't even have the the flexing ability you have. They're just flexing. They don't carry the way. They they are just wild. It's not good, Josh. It's not good. It's not good. We'll be able to thank them when there's no football. And, of course, we also have the uh, DeAndre Washington hype man, Adam Cahill. What up, Adam? Oh, man. Yeah, let's start off good. Nah. DeAndre Washington hype man. Um, all right. Listen, you guys are both doing good. Everything good. Anything special going on? I went, I went to the, the Wichita mountains this weekend. Me and, me and my girlfriend went and it was a lot of fun. We, we had a good time. Where are the Wichita mountains? And don't just say Wichita. <laughs> they're, no, they're, they're not in Wichita. Wichita's. Ooh, it's a twist. Yeah. So Southwest Oklahoma. Okay. Near Lawton. And they're like really old, bouldery eroded mountains some people might call them hills but they're they're fun <laughs> sounds dangerous it was very dangerous i i promised you my life my life was in danger but i made it i made it out yep <laughs> sure you're a hero i respect you Josh. <laughs> um man a lot of stuff going on in the world right now a lot of stuff going on in sports we got that uh first of all we should mention Beirut, lebanon the explosion yeah, send some positive vibes their way. It's a little crazy. So I read, I read that the explosion was caused by like over two thousand pounds of ammonium nitrate in a building that had just sort of been left there. And for perspective, the Oklahoma City bombing used two tons. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. When I seen the video, I it like you know I don't know I feel like I mean we see videos of explosions all the time I guess sort of. And, you know, here, other countries, whatever. But, like, that was, like, some movie-level shit. Like, it didn't even look real. Like, I've never seen something like that, like, for real happening, like, in live time sort of and somewhat. You know what I mean? Like, in our time, not, like, an atomic bomb or something. Like, it was, like, I was, like, what? This is crazy looking. Like, it just looked nuts to me. And then at first they were saying, like, it was fireworks. And I'm, like, what? <laughs> like, how could that be possible? And, uh, yeah, man sad like a lot of people died people hurt city looked like it was flattened near that area um so I, so i guess what you're saying is was there no evil thing here josh that you read from what i've read so far it seems like this dangerous chemical was just left in a warehouse without any real precautions for a long time and it finally exploded that seems crazy i don't know there's a lot of issues out there in the world. We'll have to see how that story evolves. Um, other than that, of course, we're still dealing with COVID. We got COVID left and right all across the place. We're hearing about it in sports. We're hearing, man, I don't know. Like, I keep seeing, okay, we see players opting out. We see other players saying, like, you know, they're staying in. This is what they love. Da, 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 da. And then obviously you see players saying, like, they're not happy with the NFL's, like, 
you know, take on it. Like they're not listening to the medical experts and all that kind of stuff. My, my assumption is I haven't looked like super deep into it. Cause like, I'm still like questionable whether this season even happens, but is it like basically the players kind of want a bubble? Is that what they want? I think that that's, what's been seen to be the most effective thing so far. Right. I mean, if you look at what's been going on in the MLB versus the NBA, it's pretty Crazy. drastically yeah. different. The problem is, is at this point, it's probably impossible for the NFL to do a bubble system. They really would have had to have already started mapping that plan out. And ultimately, I think the reason that they probably went against it is probably the same reason the MLB went against it, which is just simply as a league, they have a vast amount of people in comparison to the NBA. I mean, we're talking like five times as many players. When you add in the coaching staffs of these teams, like it's a ton of people. So I think just the idea of using the bubble system while it, probably is the best option unfortunately i think that's probably why it got ruled out it's just because of how big the league is yeah the nba it really is kind of like the perfect size right like to to run this like trim down like you know slim down version like it was i'm not i want to say it's easy but like it was much more you know feasible for them than any other league really can do i guess um so they were kind of like you know, in the perfect situation, I guess, you know, you can make up a bad situation, but um, yeah, everything else has looked bad. Like baseball has looked bad. And I'm just like, man, this is going to get crazy for the NFL. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm not super confident <laughs> that this season is going to like play out or finish or whatever, but we'll, we'll see. Um, we did see players were getting false positives and, and coming off the list. Right, Josh? Yeah. Matt Stafford and just, well, Matt Stafford had a false positive. And then I also saw that Justin Jefferson came off of COVID IR. Yeah. I don't know that that was false positive. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I've seen a few players coming off of it. it seems, some of them seem pretty quick, so I assume some were false positives, or maybe they were just um, on it like for you know to be safe. Maybe they thought they might have been around somebody or whatever. Um, I also did see uh, Derek Carr in an interview talking about those bracelets. That tells them, they, I don't know if they beep or flash or something. He said something like whenever they get too close to each other, they like go off. Huh. Which is pretty interesting. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I knew they were using like contact tracing type stuff, but that that's interesting. Yeah, but, he, he said like as soon as they get too close, he said it's pretty easy to stay away from each other because like once you get too close, it starts like beeping or something like that. So like everyone's like whoa 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 backs everyone backs up. <laughs> I don't know. I thought when I read contact tracer, I thought it was going to keep track of the people they were near, mm-hmm. and then if anyone in that network tested positive they would be notified but i get is it just a six feet thing yeah i think it's a six feet thing because Derek carr mentioned it and he didn't make it sound like it was like if they were positive and it seems like maybe in obviously in practice so they can't do that but like i think in certain situations probably they want to just keep them away from each other as much as possible or you know keep distance or whatever maybe it's from the staff or i, I don't know but he didn't mention it today he was doing like a press conference like and even it's so funny like the press conference was with like you know with you know people with radio and whatever writers but like they weren't physically there of course <laughs> it was like just it looked it was the same setup as if he was sitting in front of the reporters but they weren't actually physically there um so yeah it's it's weird but hey i mean i guess they're doing what they gotta do right and it's, something's better than yeah. nothing <laughs> um all right so I, I, what were you saying i was just gonna say that the nba probably does have an advantage with less people like you were saying but i kind of feel like they would still handle the nfl better than the nfl is handling yeah things for sure <laughs> for sure 
yeah it, it was funny like um yeah it's yeah it's it's crazy man like it's just it's nuts there's so many people involved and so many pieces involved it's just it's nuts but i mean i'm sure the nba definitely would have done it better they do everything better than the rest of the league so um we'll, we'll see but um so so we're, we're gonna be doing these episodes this is the first one where us three will be talking about our ranks um just to kind of make it clear for the listeners it's gonna be ppr rankings have we all settled on that right ppr is the best oh, yeah. way to do it yep Okay. PPR rankings. We're just going to do like the top 24, at least for today, it's running backs. I don't know if other positions, if we'll open it up a little more like wide receivers or if we'll just keep them 24 for every position. We'll see. Um, maybe it's easy to keep them 24, uh, but we'll, we'll see how we, how we go. It will be fluid with it. Um, but we wanted to do this because people were asking about ranks and I feel like, you know, we do do rank them all the time and we do obviously have these debates on here. So like, why not at least discuss some of the rankings a little bit, go a little more in depth with it uh, and see where we all kind of differentiate. Obviously, Top 24 can be, we, we might have a lot in common, but at some points we're going to vary and be different. And we'll kind of highlight some of those. Um, so we'll start these with trust issues. Um, Josh, you put a lot of work into the, you know, to the show notes today. You want to start this off and then we'll go from there. I took a look at Adam's ranks. And one thing I noticed was that he had Miles Sanders inside the top 12. So how do we feel about that? Do you trust Miles Sanders as an RB1 or do you have trust issues? So, so Adam thinks Miles Sanders is top 12 in his rankings as of right now. Obviously, he trusts it, so there's no no reason to ask him necessarily. But we can ask him why he trusts it. But before we ask him why, let me and you discuss it first, Josh, and, and how we feel about it. I do think um, he's top 12. I I don't have an argument with it. Um, for me, he's more at the border of it, though. Um, I don't know where he was. Let me see um, Adam's rankings really quick. How high? I have him 7th. Oh, you have him 7th. Okay, so, yeah, so you have him much you higher than me. I have him 12th. Okay, so yeah, I have him right there at the border. Um, so I could easily flip him with another player like Chubb or something and it wouldn't bother me, but, or flip him up one with like someone like Mixon, who's 11 in my rankings. Um, and I wouldn't mind either way. Um, so I don't have a problem with him in the top 12, seven is high for me. Um, but I get where Adam will be coming from with that. I'm sure he'll, he'll give us his argument and I'll, and I'll understand that point. Um, but for me inside the top 12, isn't crazy to me, but I just keep him in the lower half of the top 12. Um, Josh, is that way off for you? I've also got him at 12. So I could see him potentially beating out Kenyon Drake. I feel like he has the most question marks around around him. Doesn't really have the volume locked up in Arizona. Chase Edmonds could be back and healthy and might be just as capable. So so he's suspect and could make room for Miles Sanders. But, you know, Miles Sanders just didn't get a lot of volume last year, not as much as I would have liked. He has the downfield receiving ability, which is great, but I, I just am not sure that he's going to accumulate enough volume to get into the top 12. Okay, so we both agree with that. So now let's understand why Adam feels more strongly about him. What, what, what makes you put him so much higher than us both, Adam? So I think for Miles Sanders – what it ultimately comes down to is his historic receiving numbers. Uh, over the last 10 years, only five running backs have ever had more receiving yards in their rookie season. And three of those are Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey. They definitely went well beyond what uh, Miles Sanders produced from a reception standpoint. I mean, each of those guys had over 80 receptions in their rookie season. But if you look at it from a yardage perspective, Miles Sanders went over 500 yards in his rookie season. 
And from a yards per reception standpoint, he was basically on pace with Alvin Kamara's rookie season. And I honestly think that is who he equates to most. Uh, If you look across the league at second half production, uh, you have a few guys that really sort of sparked up um, what Kenyon Drake was doing uh, in Arizona. Um, But for Miles Sanders, what really started happening was they started utilizing him as a bell cow running back uh he went from essentially getting 11 uh 11 and a half carries per game for the first like nine ten games to finishing the season getting about 16 carries per game um so what i see going forward is that they stay consistent with that sort of trend uh and he sees 15 carries to 20 carries a game uh 20 carries in games that they're leading and, and he's able to get carries late Um, But really, where he's going to be most effective is going to be in the receiving game. Um, I mean, being able to be targeted 63 times in your rookie season to to produce over 500 receiving yards, I mean, these are really, really good prospect numbers. And as far as his rushing production goes, I mean, he had 179 carries in his rookie season. That isn't anything to laugh at. I mean, if you look at comparable players, you have Alvin Kamara only had 120 carries in his rookie season. Christian McCaffrey only had 117. I mean, if you look at players who were even, you know, closer to him as far as uh, from a carry standpoint, it's more similar to like a Giovanni Bernard's rookie season. Um, but the difference with Bernard and with Miles Sanders is he doesn't have nearly as much competition there. Um, so I think with an ascending offense and what he's able to do in the receiving game, he really just, for me, in a PPR league, is someone who has potential to finish as a top three running back some people love miles sanders like <clears throat> so much is ridiculous and it, and it's fair like for a lot of the points that you mentioned obviously the team is a good team if everyone's healthy you know it's it's a lot of upside for him at this point and in ppr it's very clear why but um i think all of us are being pretty fair right i mean if he's inside all of our top 12 um we all think of him pretty highly and obviously, Adam just likes him a little more. So Adam, in more cases, would probably draft him than me and Josh would. Um, but it's still, it's, it's, it's not, a, obviously, it's not a big argument for many of us. None of us are really in contention about this. Um, the next one here on our list is Marlon Mack finishing ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Um, that was on my list. That was on my list. Marlon Mack didn't make either one of your lists, of course, because why would he, right? Why would he make anyone's list? So let's be clear about this. For anyone who doesn't listen to Clock Dodgers, hasn't followed me on Twitter, hasn't seen my conversations about Marlon Mack, he's obviously in this position where Jonathan Taylor is there. Everyone loves the rookie Jonathan Taylor. You look at him, he's a physical specimen. His college production shows he's a specimen. Everything points to Jonathan Taylor being a good running back, right? Okay. We've seen these guys before. He's special. Everyone feels good about him. However, with COVID, with, with everything we keep talking about, we keep talking about it week after week, COVID, 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 COVID. How are these guys playing? What is someone going to catch? You know, h- how much work are these guys putting in? We've mentioned guys that can't even, you know, I, even again, I go back to Derek Carr because I'm a Raiders fan. I watched an interview earlier. He was talking about how he was doing these practices on this field in Las Vegas and how, how important it was to the players, to the new guys, to the rookies. He's like, you know, if we didn't get those reps in at all, on that field, I don't even know how much these guys would produce this year at all. Like, period, straight up. So, like, I'm not going to get crazy about these rookies, man. And a guy like Jonathan Taylor, 
who has a guy like Marlon Mack in front of him, who, who before Jonathan Taylor was ever drafted, you guys know I was a fan of. And I still believe in his game. I still believe the Colts believe in his game. I still believe the Colts want a one-two punch. And I feel no reason why this isn't a 50-50 split. And especially with the rookie coming in, if it's even higher, who knows, towards Marlon Mack since he's the vet and they can trust him to protect the quarterback and do all those good things. So I feel good about Marlon Mack here. I kind of put him here, obviously, with Jonathan Taylor right behind him to drive the point home to you guys. Um, that I'm, I'm sticking to this, to this, you know, to my guns on this one. I, I'm not going to sway from this one. And I want people to think outside the box, man. It's so easy to just take what people are force feeding you, take the um, the popular opinion and run with it and just say it must be right because so many people think it. Um, I don't agree in this situation. I do think it's as close to a 50-50 thing as possible. Um, and, I, and I believe they both can make an impact and they both may have big games. Um, this offensive line is super good. If everything plays how it should play. I see no reason why both guys shouldn't be good. Um, but I just feel more confident with Marlon Mack. I, my bad for believing in the veteran over the rookie. Because both of you have Jonathan Taylor in your top 24. Am I right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. you guys all believe in the rookie who's never done anything in the NFL. I believe in the guy who's already been there, who, you know, knows the system, has produced in the system, whether you want to believe it or not, acknowledge it or not, it's up to you. Um, but I just believe in him. Just like the coaches have talked him up. I talked him up. I believe in him. The stats have talked him up in the pros. And he's familiar with the team, man. So, yeah, I believe in it. As long as there's no injury, I feel strong about having him in that bottom half of the 24. Um, and, and I have no issue with Jonathan Taylor being right around him somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I put Marlon Mack ahead of him. Now you guys can go ahead and slam it. Well, so I think, first of all, Marlon Mack is, I think, just a career RB2. And you need those guys in fantasy football. But Jonathan Taylor – as a prospect, as an athlete, is a better is a better player than Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe he didn't land better than Zeke. He didn't get the draft capital that Zeke got. But that is the player that is standing there behind Marlon Mack. And I don't think that career RB two will hold him back. Yeah, I mean, this isn't just any rookie running back prospect. I mean. You're talking about a guy who in college produced twice as much as Marlon Mack produced in college. Like, th this isn't a joke. Marlon Mack, in his career at South Florida, produced 3,600 rushing yards. 3,600. Okay, guys? Jonathan Taylor, in his three years at Wisconsin, 6,100 rushing yards. This kid is insane. What Marlon Mack has been able to do on that offense goes to show what a dynamic rushing opportunity it is. Uh, with the offensive line play there, honestly, I think both of them have great opportunity. I think Neil isn't entirely wrong in the sense that I think that rookies are going to be impacted this year, uh, and I don't necessarily think that they're going to just hand Jonathan Taylor 200-plus carries in his rookie season. Um, what I expect to have happen is for Marlon Mack and him to be pretty close in carries, but Jonathan Taylor to just be the better player, uh, which he's always shown himself to be. So while the season might start with Marlon Mack getting more carries as the season goes on, I'll see Jonathan Taylor continue to take over that role. And with Mack, the issue is he also isn't that dynamic in the receiving game, and he's not a great blocker. So I don't necessarily see him being able to hold down like a third down role to keep Jonathan Taylor off the field. So really, it's just going to come down to a production standpoint. I think they're both going to have volume. 
but I think Jonathan Taylor's volume is going to eke him out and his overall efficiency is just going to blow him away. All fair points. All fair points, gentlemen. It's all fair points. Obviously, we could all die on this hill, <laughs> right? I've, I've died on this hill on Twitter. I'll die on it. Any, I'll stand on it no matter what, man. So I'm not going to sway from it. I do believe in them. I believe in both guys. I think they're both great. Obviously, I'm speaking from a redraft perspective. Before anyone tries to attack it, I'm not talking about next year. I'm not talking about the future of the Colts. I just believe in his contract year, the Colts are going to run him to, run him to the ground. There's no reason not to, especially if they're not going to re-sign him. And he'll be used in every way possible. And, you know, I just believe in it. So I'm going to stick to it. Again, more importantly, I want to drive home the fact, don't live inside the box. Don't live inside the box, folks. There's these guys, don't just push them out for rookies who are in the COVID era, who, who fumbled the ball like crazy in college. Don't just push them out, guys. Don't just push them out. Um, the next one we have here on the list is James White is a top 24 running back. I trust well, it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Josh was the only one who had him inside of the top 24. Um, I don't know, because, Neil, you didn't really expand past your top 24. I'm not sure exactly how low you have James White. But for me, James White's one of those guys who, like, Josh is probably right. He's probably going to finish in the tail end of the top 24. He, just in PPR leagues, is going to be able to support himself with that receiving. Like, with with his receptions alone, he's going to just have such a high floor. Uh, for me, really ranking him where I have him, which is 31st, it's not that far outside the top 24, is really just based on guys ahead of him, if they get the bulk of the work, being able to outproduce him. Um, but a lot of the guys that I have ahead of him, personally, I think are, are iffy. Right. So you're just, you would draft them ahead of him or rank them ahead of him just because of a potential situation if they do get a majority of carries and everything goes their way then you see them as a higher value but it's not crazy to believe that james white can produce more than them that's understandable yeah exactly i mean for instance some of the guys that i have ahead of him that are right outside the top 24 are the rookies you know you've got taylor swift acres dobbins for me all those guys if they hit they have huge ceilings that are going to far exceed james white then you've got guys like devin singletary philip Lindsay, and david montgomery who for me are guys who have the potential to have an actual workload share. Uh, I doubt that any of those three really get that. And that's why for James White, he's that high floor kind of guy where I think that he'll probably finish above all three of those guys. But if any of those three do get the bulk of the work in their backfields, they're going to far exceed James White. I'm sad that Josh has James White ahead of Duke Johnson. Disappointed in you, Josh. Oh, that is sad. sad. That, but it's, it's it's just reality, man. Yeah, how could you not? <laughs> and, and I don't think we can fade James White because Tom Brady left. Because I don't think that Tom Brady made James White. So I just, you know, the guy in 2017, he was the RB 37, then the RB 7, then the RB 20. So it's not a for sure thing that he's going to be inside of there, but I, I think he can do it. Yeah, and let it be known, we've all been big fans of James White the last few years. I mean, Adams always talked him up, especially in best balls and all those kind of things. And yep. we're all we're all fans of James White. So hopefully he does finish in the top 24, and hopefully losing Brady and all those kind of things don't really uh, push him back too much. But, yeah, we all trust it. We're all, we all think it's a crazy idea. Yeah, one thing I just want to end on to the end is, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've been thinking a lot about, like, teams I'm most excited to see this year. I don't know if I'm more excited to see any team other than the Patriots. I, it's weird, but, like, I'm so excited to see what Belichick does without Brady. I'm really excited to see the rebirth of Cam Newton. 
And then all the playmakers in that offense, it's one of those things where it's like, I literally would not be surprised if like any of James White, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, like go off and have a big year. I'm just so interested to see what that offense looks like. Yeah, it is going to be fun. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned in the past, they have a super really good defense. So with a really good defense, the offense has a chance, right? So the pressure's off of them a lot of the time because the defense is out there making plays and keeping offenses off the field. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Cam Newton definitely obviously, you know, changed the whole dynamic and made it a lot more fun. Um, so it is, it is going to be a fun offense to watch. Um, and hopefully James White can be a big part of that. I mean, he may be the best running back in New England <laughs> at this point. You know, Sony Michelle is never healthy. And, I mean, I don't know. It's a mess at the backfield besides him. So, um, all right. Let's move over to rank them, which is funny because this is a rank them episode. Um, so, the first group of running backs that we have here is Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, and Kenyon Drake. That's a fun group right there. That, that is a very argument-debated failed group right there. Because you will find people who love one of these running backs, hate one of these running backs, and then some who are just, you know, eh, on them all. So who feels the boldest to jump out here first? You know, I'll go ahead and I'll attack this first. Because for me, these guys are all super close. Uh, I mean, I have Kenyon Drake uh, currently at running back eight. And Jacobs and Mixon round out my top 12 at 11 and 12. Um, for me, really, the only thing that separates these three is honestly offense. Uh, I just expect Arizona to be an extremely productive offense in Kyler Murray's second season. I think the addition of DeAndre Hopkins to that offense is just going to have them really running on all cylinders. And down the stretch, the usage that they gave Kenyon Drake is really similar to the usage that you saw from a Josh Jacobs. Uh, Joe Mixon, his usage last year was just insane. So I, I definitely don't think that Drake's going to get to what Mixon saw last year, but I also don't think Mixon's going to do what Mixon saw last year. Um, so for me, I, I just trust that offense the most of the three, um, and that's probably what breaks it for me. Uh, but all three of these guys for me are potential workhorses and, and guys who I'd be really confident with a first or second round pick on. Yeah. Josh, where are you at on these three? I I have Mixon first, and I do think that the Bengals will be better this year. So so that optimism definitely figures in there. And then behind, just behind Mixon, so I have Mixon at RBA. I have Josh Jacobs at RB nine, and then I have Kenyon Drake at at RB eleven. So I mean, Jacobs has the volume, you know, locked in. In terms of expected points, last year it was Mixon first with 14.9 expected points per game, then Jacobs at 13.8, and Fournette actually led the way with 17.4. It's debatable, but I want Mixon first out of the group. Okay. See, I mean, all three of us have all three of these guys inside the top 12, so that's, you know, we, we all feel pretty good about all three of these guys. Um we do have them all in different order, I believe. So you have Mixon first. I have Jacobs first. Adam has Drake first. Um, I jumped over to Fournette in the middle of that paragraph, didn't I? So, you so came on Drake in terms of expected points is at fourteen point one. Not, not to be confused with Leonard Fournette, who is a different person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's yeah, fair. Thank you for correcting that. Um, so, I mean, I'm super excited about Kenyon Drake, right? Like. 
I can't be more excited about that dude, man. Like I've loved him since he was a dolphin. Everybody, do you guys remember when Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake were dolphins? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And everybody said Damian Williams was the better running back. Stop running this Kenyon Drake guy. Da 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 da. I loved Kenyon Drake then, man. Like I just, you but, did. but again, I just like pass catching backs and all this good stuff. So yeah, I like Drake. Um, I'm happy to see him like fully take on this role, even if it moved my boy, you know, Johnson out, out of the picture. But um, I'm super excited about him. But I do have Jacobs first. You could call this my Raider homerism. You'd probably be partially correct. <laughs> but um, I've been excited about him since we drafted him. I feel really good about him. I will say this: um, Vic Vic Tafer of the Athletic, uh, who covers the Raiders for the Athletic. He had a uh, mailbag recently, uh, like two days ago, I think it was. And this is a um, a little segment from what he said on there. Um, I heard that Gruden was so mad last year that Jacobs didn't win Offensive Rookie of the Year that he vowed that Jacobs would get more carries and more receptions to prove what a crime the voters had committed. Now, you guys know how crazy Gruden is. Like, I know we don't like coach speak that much, but – when it comes from Gruden, it's hard to not really listen to it. Um, so this says something to me, man. And I know they're signing bodies and everyone wants to make something out of it. I'm not making anything out of anything. There's anyone they're drafting or signing as far as taking from Josh Jacobs. Um, so, yeah, I believe in Josh Jacobs a lot. I believed in him last year. I didn't. I wasn't mad when they drafted him, where they drafted him. Um, and I don't see any reason why he's going to go backwards at all. Um, so I'm super excited about this, and um, I believe John Gruden is pissed about it, and I, I do believe he's that kind of coach where he will try to prove the media wrong or the voters wrong or whoever he wants to prove wrong. Um, I, he is that kind of guy, that old-school kind of coach. So, yeah, I take some credence into what he said here, um, and I do think the Raiders are going to try to even do more with Jacobs than they did last year, and if he's healthy, it can only get better. So, yeah, I feel really good about Jacobs, and I have no problem putting him at the top of this list. Um, obviously we love all three of these guys, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Jacobs, man. I'm excited about him. I know no one believes he's going to catch more passes. I know no one believes any of that, but I do. I do. I'm excited about it. Do you guys think, do you think guys think Gruden is total bullshitting or do you believe what this guy is saying? Well, no, it's coach speak. Come on, man. Let's, come on. Let's it's okay. Gruden though, man. No, it's silly. I, come on. Rushing production, or I should say rushing volume is dictated by game. As far as passing volume or receiving volume goes for Jacobs, it's going to be dictated by how well Derek Carr can play. And I mean, unfortunately, from what we saw in his rookie year, it just didn't really get targeted enough. So I am interested to see how that offense changes with this kind of infusion of youth that they have at the receiver position. That being said, I, I just I think the biggest thing holding Josh Jacobs back and the reason for me that he's as low as he is, is that receiving volume. In fact, the more I think about it, the more I almost want to move Mixon ahead of him. Um, that, that to me is going to be a tough decision, just ultimately based upon Jacobs ability to, you know, get 40 receptions. I, I just don't know if, if it's possible. Stand on it right now, Adam. Say you're putting Joe Mixon ahead of him. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll put Joe Mixon out of him. I, I definitely think I will. Because the more I was thinking about it after Josh was talking, ultimately, I, I, man, I, I wonder when we get to quarterbacks how high everybody's going to be on Joe Burrow. I, I think it's one of these situations where it, it's almost impossible to rank him that high. But it's just so funny to me that everyone was so high on Kyler Murray last year, but nobody feels that way about Joe Burrow. And yet Joe Burrow just had the most historic college football season that's basically ever occurred for a quarterback. And nobody cares. It's so crazy to me. So 
I think that there's an outlier where that offense is insane. And if that happens, Joe Mixon's going to thrive because they're still going to utilize him a ton. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just moved Mixon ahead of Jacobs. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I might talk myself into moving Mixon even a little bit higher just based upon I, – I feel like Joe Burrow is getting such little respect. It's so weird. I mean, that team's going to be bad, but I just – I don't know. I, I wonder how he's going to, you know – adjust to the NFL and if he can catch fire like he did in college football I mean he's going to be somebody that wins people leagues and and people like Joe Mixon are also going to win leagues because of it yeah it'll be fun to see and like you said we'll get to our quarterback ranking episode and we'll we'll see how we all uh where we place and when we think more about it (laughs) um all right the next group we have here for rank them is uh Chris Carson Leonard Fournette and David Johnson um Josh how do you have these guys ranked man Okay, so I I feel like Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson should probably be more valued by a lot of people because they're both really pretty safe bets. I mean, they they get they get a lot of volume. They are somewhat active, although certainly not elite in the passing game. And I just don't see a, a big reason at this point to expect that to change. So I've got Leonard Fournette at running back ten. Which is, which is a little hot, but based on his volume, I, I just can't move him down. And then Chris Carson I have down at, at 15. He's done it. He's done it. He's a good player. I'm just, I'm just ready to talk about him in those terms. You know, I don't think that he was a product of any kind of circumstance. And then David Johnson I like more than the, old, the other old guys like Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley. But he's down at RB19 for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in here and say, for some reason, I'm not as excited about Chris Carson as some people are. Like, I mean, I have been at tw- oh, no, uh, 18 on my list, right? So I'm not hating him. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. He's just something about him. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's I, – I really don't know. I mean, they added a couple of running backs, right? They drafted DJ Dallas. Um, they, they signed Carlos Hyde, another, you know – now, he's not obviously the, the most exciting guy, but I mean he does get it done a lot of times when they when people put him in there. So um and then you got Penny. You totally gave up on Penny, man. The injuries have, have knocked him off your face of the earth, huh, Josh? Um I just can't I just can't bank on late breakout running backs. We're getting a more realistic like, version of you this year, Josh. Liking Duke Johnson's and Rashad Penny's are a thing of the past for you, man. I reserve the right to tear my pants off and run around the neighborhood <laughs> when Rashad Penny week happens, but I'm not. I'm not gonna invest heavily in that. Yeah. So just looking at the rankings, though, I have I do have Leonard Fournette ahead of all these guys. Um, we, we've seen what he did last year, right? He did what we th- nobody even knew he could do reception wise. We didn't know he would get all those kind of targets. Um, will it happen again? You know, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But I feel like he's a guy who I I, I do trust his workload. I trust. As long as he holds up physically, right? Um, I feel good about I feel good about him being at the top of this list. I did put David Johnson ahead of Chris Carson. How crazy do you think that is, Josh? You think it's super crazy? If David Johnson is not washed, it's not crazy yeah. at all. I, I'm just discounting him because of the might be washed factor. Yeah. What is his ADP right now? Does anyone know? David Johnson is going three oh seven and Chris Carson, this is from fantasy football calculator, Chris Carson is going 309. Got it. So they're like right around each other in ADP. Um, 
Yeah, so like if I'm taking a chance here, I, I do like David Johnson. I've liked David Johnson forever. And I told you guys last year, I don't believe he was injured at the end of the year. They just didn't like him. They wanted to play the hot hand Kenyon Drake. Um, I mean, you were right on that factor. Yeah. It, it's it's so weird, but I, I honestly, I don't necessarily think that David Johnson's banged up. It, it's funny. I got these three guys back to back to back. I mean, it's Fournette, Carson, Johnson, but they're, you know, they're 15, 16, 17 in my rankings. They're all right there is, you know, those last RB2s, honestly, that I like, and then it just drops off gigantically for me from there. Um, but that being said, Josh, man, you having Fournette at 10, that's so spicy because for me, <laughs> it's funny. Man, I'm doing a lot of best ball drafts. Fournette falls. He falls a lot, like to the late fourth round sometimes, uh, where I just think he's a crazy steal. Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately, I think all three of these guys are super close because they all, they're, they're dynamic in what they can do on the field as far as like they can be workhorses in their offenses. Um, really, it's funny because if David Johnson's fully himself, he easily could be not just the top of these three, but like the only one of this group that has top five potential. Um, but that being said, I just think Fournette just has such volume locked in. And for me, Chris Carson just feels a little bit more secure than David Johnson right now. But those guys, I mean, they're back to back. They could easily flip flop. Fournette had the best volume of all three of them. If we were to rank all of these running backs just by expected points, by the value of their volume, Leonard Fournette would be something like RB5. Like, and also, he did not run hot last year. He, he way underperformed in the touchdown category. So his performance, if they continue to target him, is repeatable. It really comes down to how much – it really comes down to how confident you are in – a Leonard Fournette staying healthy. B this offense staying the same enough to repeat it. You know what I mean? Because other than that, we know he has the ability when healthy and given the opportunity to do it. Like to me, there's no no reason to believe that he couldn't do it again, or it was a fluke, or it's you know there's gonna be some kind of regression. Like he he's fully capable of it. It's just how much do you trust the Jaguars and how much do you trust you know him staying healthy as you know the workhorse. You know, that's an interesting question, guys. Do the Jaguars get affected by not having fans because you don't get that Menchu magic? He's just a guy. The Jaguars had fans? Like, I mean, they had that energy with Minshew, <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious how that's going to impact different teams. I, I'm curious, especially for, like, as far as uh, – I have a feeling if we do not have fans at all this year, which is what I'm kind of expecting at this point, that you really see talent rise to the ceiling as opposed to in other years where, you know, home field advantage can impact games, travel impacts games more. Like, I, I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those years where if players are healthy, they're just going to they're, they're gonna perform based upon their talent. Yeah, what does it do, like, motivation-wise for, like, the guys who feed off of that? I mean, like... I don't know, man. Like, I mean, we're, we're seeing it in basketball, but again, it's different. Like, the, the basketball is just so much easier to, like, even in basketball, if you're watching it on TV, like, they got the fake sound effects and they got fake fans, like, <laughs> webcam versions and stuff. Like, it's different, right? It's easier to disguise and stuff. Like, the NFL, man, these huge stadiums and stuff, it's just going to be so weird to me. But it's going to be really interesting that quarterbacks are going to be able to communicate so clearly to all their yeah. receivers. Dude. Yeah. Oh my God, I I might have to readjust my quarterback ranking just thinking about that because you got guys like Tom Brady or 
Well, Brady has the disadvantage of having to learn, you know, new offense, new receivers, everything. Obviously, he's the GOAT, so he's going to adapt well. But what's interesting is guys like Drew Brees or Matt Ryan, you know, guys, Russell Wilson, who have been entrenched in offenses for a while and who are true veterans, coming out and playing in an environment where they just can communicate super clearly to all their playmakers on the field, that's going to be that's going to be dangerous. I don't know. I've, I've looked at a lot of stuff that Jacob Rickroad has been putting out about how this could be a historically high passing season. And, uh, you know, obviously being a zero running back zealot, I uh, have been drafting a ton of zero running back and, you know, modified zero running back in, in best ball so far. So I'm kind of on board with this. Man, the more I'm thinking about it, just from a, you know, COVID perspective of not having fans, it, it really seems like it's going to be a huge advantage for those extremely uh, gifted quarterbacks at reading defenses and, and being able to adjust on the fly. For sure. It, it, it's it's got to be, again, I know some people don't want to think about outside forces and all these other, you know, very, you know, all these other factors, but it is a factor. It's, it's real and it has to be thought about how many, um, how many players you think in week one are going to do the little hand raise where they tell the crowd to get louder. oh yeah i forgot about that there's no crowd here there would be a guy in the booth that just turns up the noise a little bit (laughs) louder louder oh man it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch guys it's gonna be fun to watch gosh i i'm kind of excited for their not to be fans it's weird but like with the ufc i've really learned to appreciate like being able to hear everything and being able to like hear the coaches and stuff and i think that with the nfl man if they mic up quarterbacks or if you can hear anything that's going on on the field it's just going to add such an interesting element yeah it will and there's not going to be that that thing like oh i, I couldn't hear the crowd was too loud i couldn't hear the play change i didn't hear any of that man it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be something different man we're gonna have to just and, and hopefully it lasts you know a full season we'll, we'll see um the last rank group that we have here is austin eckler miles sanders clyde edwards hilaire now, we haven't talked about Austin Eckler at all today or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We have talked a little bit about Miles Sanders, obviously. Um, I'm curious. It's funny. Okay, so Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all of us, when I'm looking at our rankings here, have him – We, uh, me and Adam have him at 10, and Josh has him at 13. Um, with everything with Damian Harris and all that kind of stuff, Have you? has everyone moved him up a bunch, or was it a small, very push for you guys? Like, what happened there? I mean, what's kind of crazy is where all of us have him, none of us will be drafting him. He's <laughs> going in the first round. It, I mean, that it's just it's happening in every draft. I, I mean, ever since Damian Williams decided to opt out, I mean, he was the really the only player that's been fantasy relevant that's opted out. And the impact was just people love Clyde Edward Hilaire coming into this season. I love but the love has just gotten to the point where it's like, man, I, I just, whew, I don't know if you could predict, like, predict him to have the volume that, that you're hoping that he has. I mean, anything's possible. If he gets the volume in that offense, like top three is in question for sure. Um, but that being said, I mean, I think that the guys that I have ahead of him, I just feel a little bit more confident about. And it sucks because it's going to mean that I'm probably not going to have much Clyde this year. Yeah, I'm kind of happy I got him in dynasty drafts like before this all happened, because <laughs> I mean he was oh, still yeah. he was still expensive though. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like 
the, the thing is, like, it's so hard to like. I, I, people, I mean, what's his ADP right now? Is it like top five? Where is it at? No, I mean it's kind of settled in in the second half of the first round. Okay. I would say. Okay, I mean it, it's hard to like not get excited about him, right? Like we seen what he did in college. They drafted him early, and now you have this situation where the running back gets hurt, where the you know presumed starter gets hurt, and he's the running back with Patrick Mahomes, like with Andy Reid, like. It's I, I I can't argue with it's hard to argue with anybody who wants to draft him where they want to draft him like I I get it right like I get the excitement man like I I really do I really do I I understand you know running backs in the top you know first round there's certain ones that people feel super confident about and then you know if someone wants to make him one of those guys like it's it's really no point in arguing it man like if you feel that situation is is that good. And he's that good and is that exciting, you know, with that team and that coach. And I get it, man. Like, I, I still put him for me and just in this grouping, just for this uh, conversational sake here. Um, I do put him behind Austin Eckler. Um, I think I actually have uh, – yeah, I have him ahead of Miles Sanders, though, which, you know, some people may think is crazy. Um, this is what I'm talking about, right? Like, again, for me, it's the offense and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and his, you know, draft capital. Like, it's just hard to not get excited about that. So – um, I do put Eckler ahead of him. Everyone knows I've fucking love Eckler and uh it's just always gonna be Eckler, team Eckler for me. But um yeah, I, I put Eckler, Hilaire, Sanders here, and I and I, I understand anyone's you know excitement about Hilaire if they put him at the top of this list for all I care. Um I get it. You know what I mean? What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I've got Eckler ahead of both of them because in in my mind, he's a very similar profile and he's already done it. And, you know, maybe maybe you want to give Miles Sanders credit for doing more earlier in his career than what Eckler showed us. But to me, Austin Eckler has, has been proven. And, and then that's also why I have Clyde third, because he may, be, he may be good, but Kansas City showed us last year that even though they are a good offense with a lot of opportunity – it doesn't mean that anyone's going to get a big enough slice to really excel. And that I just feel like that could still happen with Clyde. Yeah, Josh, you know what? Every anyone listening right now who doesn't agree with us on Eckler, they're screaming Miles Sanders has Carson Wentz, Clyde Edwards Hilaire has Patrick Mahomes, and Eckler has Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> so, um, or you know, the rookie. It's up to you. But like either way, they don't sound as fun. They don't sound as good. They don't sound as talented, as accomplished. Um, and people are concerned about that. I mean, are you, do you do you balk at that? Like, are you do you have a a big argument against that, or do you understand that position? I think that if you believe the Chargers' offense will not be very good, then then that's that's a legitimate way to look at it. But I, I'm also pretty in on Tyrod Taylor, and I don't think that it takes a lot of arm talent to support an Austin Eckler. Gotcha. I think really the issue with Eckler is how can you predict him to have the rushing volume that he would need. I mean, obviously, the receiving volume is what made him a star last year. And there has to be a little bit of concern with them traditionally, like, transitioning away from Phillip Rivers to someone like Tyrod Taylor, who has a tendency to run, which causes a less drop-off to to the running back. I think Austin Eckler is still going to see a ton of receiving volume, which is why I still have him in the top ten. But for me, the real concern and why I have somebody like Miles Sanders ahead of him is, I mean, Miles Sanders had more rushing attempts in his rookie season than Austin Eckler's ever had in his career. 
Um, so for me, it's much easier to predict him to have an increase in rushing volume. And then you're looking at 50 receptions last season versus 92. Obviously, there's a huge gap there. But in Miles Sanders' rookie season, he put up 50. It'd be very easy to predict for him to have 60 or 70 this season and for Eckler to fall closer down to 80. And with that in mind, that's that's kind of how I see Miles Sanders overtaking him is, you know, he could easily have 100 more carries than, than Eckler. I'll say this. This group is super fun. I love all oh, yeah. I, 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 these three. These are three running backs that get you excited. Okay, Carson, Fournette, Johnson may not get people excited. Eckler, Sanders, Hilaire will get people excited. Yeah, I mean, as much as I've been drafting zero running back, it would be really fun to pair up two of these guys at the end of the first, Hell yeah. beginning of the second. Like Hell that, yeah. that's a that's an exciting pair, especially in full PPR. Yeah, it's definitely a fun group. All right, cool. Um, let's move over to – I have one listener question that I did want to make sure we got on the show. I really liked it, and uh, I seen Adam mention something to the guy too when he sent it over. Um, so first of all, shout-out to Paul. Um, Paul's been a long-time clock dodger, so shout-out to him. It's at Paul underscore Ryan 15. He said, keep trade cut, and the options are ice cream sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and grilled cheese sandwiches. So you have to keep one, trade one, cut one. Since I don't know if Josh seen this or not yet, I'm gonna make him go first. Okay, I, I'm I'm keeping the ice cream sandwich because I just I think it's the best. Yeah, you're <laughs> a trash person. You're a trash person who has trash opinions. <laughs> I'm cutting the peanut butter and jelly because it's definitely the worst. And grilled cheese, as much as I appreciate it. It has market value. I think you can get good value for your grilled cheese, but you got to eat that ice cream sandwich. All right. So, yeah, I've done a lot of thinking about this. <laughs> all right? So first and foremost, grilled cheese is by far the best. Uh, it has the most variety and most variation. There are so many different types of breads and cheeses that you can intermix. Just using those two ingredients, you have such a large variety of options available to you. So that, that by far is your keep. Now the question is, which is more valuable on the trade market? You have peanut butter and jelly, you have an ice cream sandwich. One ice cream sandwich is only valuable if you're a trash person. <laughs> uh, but a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is an amazing thing to give to basically any child ever that's ever existed, ever. Um, so I think it has a lot of value on the trade market for children, uh, and children often have grilled cheese sandwiches. So. I, I like my haggling ability there. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to get rid of the trash person food that Josh wants. And I guess I will be trading my peanut butter and jelly sandwich to children who have grilled cheese. Okay. So first, let it be known that the cut is definitely ice cream sandwiches. Um, right, so, Christ. so we agree on that one. Uh, not oh. with Josh, of course. I don't know why you're trading with children, Adam. Um so that's something between you and yourself. Who are you going to go to for grilled cheese sandwiches? Listen, I'm actually going to keep the peanut butter and jelly because that is such a staple. Number one, it's like impossible to make do it wrong. You can't fuck up a peanut butter and jelly. And it's just a staple, man. It's 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 longevity tested, man. It's proved it can't be a fail, man. I love and you got a little bit of protein, a little bit of sugar, okay. a little bit of sweet. You got a little bit of everything, man. So Needle. I'm keeping that. And I'm trading the grilled cheese because you can fuck up a grilled cheese. 
It cannot be good sometimes. People can burn the bread, this, that, make it too, make make it so the cheese all melts out of it. Like you can really melt, mess up a grilled cheese. I mean, you're thinking you're trading with children. I don't know what's going on over here, but <laughs> I'm keeping the peanut butter and jelly. I'm trading the grilled cheese and that, that ice cream sandwich can just go. And I love ice cream, but that thing can go. And um, I mean, there's, there, there's a point here that this question is the most inspiring part of the podcast right now because we it are all definitely, this fact. no, no, no. I got more to say. Okay. <laughs> Have I brought up on this podcast before grilled peanut butter and jelly? I don't know if you I have. I feel like I brought you it might, up. Guys, you brought up grilled cheese. I feel before. like y'all forgot. So I, I feel like I've heard. essentially, grilled peanut butter and jelly is made just like a grilled cheese, but with peanut butter and jelly as opposed to cheese. You just butter both sides of the bread, put peanut butter and jelly in the middle. Throw that in a skillet, let that heat up, and get nice and toasty and delicious. It is such a better version of PB and J. Neil, if you're gonna make PB and J, you're keeping this. You I'm gonna gotta try, try that. I'm gonna one. try it. You gotta try it. In fact, I almost want to go out and get jelly and bread just to have that. Also, peanut butter and jelly crackers, phenomenal. <laughs> And apparently Adam does not have food in his house. Like, who needs to go get supplies for PBJ? <laughs> Single men. You have a child. We've had this conversation. You have to, Adam, you have to support another life. Josh. All I have to worry about is myself. So I number, can do whatever I want. Number one, we've discussed that Adam's fridge is empty. Number, this is true. Number two, he doesn't need the staples for it if he's out here trading them with children. So there's no need. He probably trades them with people, kids in the apartment. Um, yeah, man. All I need is grilled cheese. I can get all the peanut butter and jelly I want. Exactly. I just so, gotta yeah. find a needle. It's it's true. I like what you know. I like I like what people would call kids' food. Um, it's weird because we move on to foul or no foul here. Another peanut butter and jelly sandwich came up. So I don't know. Is this like a full moon thing? I don't know why peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were coming over hot today. Um, and, and the questions, but it's another listener submitted. So I'm gonna, I threw it in the file or no foul. That's what he asked for uh, at Austin. Again, shout out to friend of the show. Austin. Austin is coming through with some questions, man. So at Austin underscore G underscore H said peanut butter and honey is an incredible substitute when you're out of jelly. Foul or no foul. Yes. So good, but take it up a notch, put it on a waffle as opposed to bread and you win. It is so good. Try that one as well. <laughs> Put it on peanut a waffle. Butter and honey, peanut butter and honey on waffles is amazing. So not a sandwich, but just on the waffle. On waffles, man. I mean, I've had it as a sandwich too, but think about what a sandwich is and then think about what a waffle is. They're pretty similar, but a waffle is way better. <laughs> <laughs> file or no file on this, Josh. Is peanut butter and honey a thing for you, man? Yeah, I would try it. Okay, I, I would just I would try it, especially on a waffle. So I've also seen the marshmallow thing. Have you guys ever done that? Because I've never done that. Marshmallow. Okay. And how about this? I believe it's a southern thing, but peanut butter and mayo sandwiches. Yeah, I've heard of this as well. If anyone attempted to serve that to me, I would break them. <laughs> I feel like Josh eats it. No, no, PB okay. and mayo is not happening. Okay, because that may make you immune to COVID. So. I'm, you know, curious. <laughs> if it, it may be. I still might not eat it. <laughs> all right. So there you have it, Austin. We are all in agreement with the honey on the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, um, which again, shout out to the hot honey. I, I mentioned it as a sh- show and tell one day. If you guys are not buying this stuff and using it, you're missing out. 
I, I will admit that I have cut out barbecue sauce, honey mustard, all that shit for the most part, and just put this hot honey on stuff. It's the way to go. It's the move. If you're not doing it, I'm telling you, go do it. I need to do that. <laughs> you need to do it. I'm telling you. That sounds so good. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. Um, all right. The next file I know foul. Um, this came because this gentleman said enough is enough. Derek Carr doesn't get the respect he deserves from NFL and fantasy fans alike. Foul or no foul? No foul. He does not get the respect that he deserves. The man has never played with – well, that's not true. He hasn't played with wide receivers in a while, okay, since Amari <laughs> Cooper Michael Crabtree. And he supported two top 24 wide receivers when he had them. Like I, The guy deserves more respect. He said today in that press conference that I keep referencing to – that he is no longer dealing with the disrespect that he wants. He demands respect guys. He said that everyone wants to go back to his 2016 season and say how good he did. But really in reality, last year he did better and they're not talking about it because the team obviously had 12 wins in 2016. They didn't have him last year, which he understands, but he said, listen, he's tired of the disrespect. He ain't listening to the media and their negative comments no more. He feels good about this. He says that, you know, hopefully the media will come around. He said that even Darren Waller, should be getting more respect than he has. So he feels good, man. He's coming with some energy. I'm liking it. You guys know I like a little, you know, I like my teammates, my, my players feisty and, you know, you know, combative. I don't like that, you know, sink into your little hole when they tell you you suck kind of stuff. So I'm liking this energy from Derek Carr. You guys are the worst. It's, a, it's such a foul. Okay. So we know what Derek Carr is. I don't know why we're pretending like this guy hasn't been in the league six years already. He has literally been extremely consistent at showing us exactly what he is in four of his six seasons. He has gotten between 3,900 and 4,100 passing yards. So he's right at 4,000 yards a year in four of six seasons. He has had between 19 and 22 touchdowns. So he's basically 4,020 in four of six seasons. He's had between 10 and 13 interceptions. So this guy is essentially a 4,000-yard, 20-touchdown, 11- or 12-interception quarterback. That's what he's going to be. He's a low-end QB, two. That's all he's ever going to be, and he's going to get replaced next year. I don't know why Neil even likes him. He's going to continue <laughs> to keep the Raiders out of the playoffs. He's literally kryptonite to your franchise. He's exactly what Mitchell Trubisky is for me, and that's why I hate him. Listen. He's in a third year of a system for once. Third year of the same offensive system. He has a lot of weapons around him, a true tight end, true running backs, true young wide receivers who are talented, hopefully, please. And it's it's getting better, Adam. It's getting better, man. I, why would I knock the guy for having his best season ever with garbage weapons? Why would I knock that? Like, the guy can only do better that with was, better weapons. Why would – first of all, not his best season ever, not even – close he threw 21 touchdowns the guy has had 28 and 32 touchdowns in his career so definitely not his best season ever that being stated what he's done is essentially reduce his production over his career he's not getting better he's getting worse and ultimately they're gonna cut ties at the end of this year you know it just accept it now (laughs) i'm not gonna accept it i see marcus Mariota sitting in the wings waiting i see him I see him coming for the job, but I'm telling you, Derek Carr's energy was a little different, man. I'm, Marcus listen, Mariota starts at least three games this year. I'm, I'm going to need you guys to start hitting outside the box here with me, man. Marlon Mack, Derek Carr, 
These are not, you know, you guys just got to you got to see the vision, man. Just like I believed in David Johnson not being hurt. You got to see the vision, man. Derek Carr has been listening to some kind of music, and I, I need this. <laughs> I need to catch this Derek Carr vibe. You need to catch it because it'd be good for the intros. We could really use I, it. I, we could really use it. Put Tony Robbins aside. Put up Derek Carr's new music playlist. I'm moving him down in my rankings just to spite you now. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Derek uh, Carr it's last only, year. It's only one it's, spot. <laughs> 15th in fantasy points over expectation. That's not a bad player. Don't worry, Josh. He'll, he'll be forced to believe. It's okay. It, the, the, the season will prove it if it happens. Um, the last one here, I want to talk to you guys really quick. I was offered a trade, and I was told by the person who offered it to me to share it on the podcast uh, as part of our foul or no foul. So shout out to George. George Reed, you guys are familiar, friend of the show. Breaking from the Grind podcast, all that good stuff. We're in a dynasty league together. He sent me this trade, and he says that it's a really good offer. And so I want to hear what you guys think. So just straight up, I trade Jerry Judy. I get Le'Veon Bell. And I should accept that trade, foul or no foul. Yeah, it's a foul. That I mean, that, that to me is one of those that I just decline, and I don't even respond. <laughs> You hear I mean, that, you're literally, you're literally saying, hey, here's a running back that you can use for one, maybe two seasons for a potential receiver that literally has, I don't know, 10 season production upside. Like, they're just, they're not even quantifiable next to each other. I love it. I love it. Josh, let George, give, give George a taste of your medicine, man. I just think he needs to toss it up a little bit. Like, like, throw in a pick. Throw in something that has the potential to have some kind of long-term value. Okay, Josh, what pick would get you there? What <laughs> what pick? What would I'm thinking you a second. A second, and maybe maybe Neil throws him back some kind of player that's... You're insane. Okay, moving on. <laughs> wow. A, just Le'Veon Bell in a second for Jerry Judy? Man, yeah, Jerry Judy might be nothing. Man, I guess he went as like a late first round pick, <laughs> mid mid first round pick. But I, I mean, I can see how you might make that evaluation. But for me, Le'Veon Bell is literally one to two more seasons of low end RB two production, maybe high end RB two if you're lucky. Um, and then that's, I mean, that's it. So unless you're like in a contender right now and you're just taking this to try and win over the next two seasons and then go for some crazy rebuild where you'd just be trading Jerry Judy anyway, then maybe. But, like, I always am going to want young wide receivers in a rebuild anyhow, so that doesn't even make sense. There's no world in which I want Le'Veon Bell. For me, you have to give me Le'Veon Bell and a first to get Jerry Judy, and at that point, you might as well just trade me a first for Jerry Judy because that's essentially what he was. And this coming from a guy who has, like, not that many good wide receivers on his team. His best wide receiver is probably T.Y. Hilton. Uh, and he has Elliott, Zeke Elliott, and Barkley. So him losing Bell is nothing, of course. Um, he also did try to send a trade to someone else in the league, I believe, for Justin Jefferson. I can't confirm that, but I see the other team has Justin Jefferson. So he's trying to palm Bell off for one of these rookie wide receivers that he feels good about. The answer is no, George. And I hope you're proud that you asked for that to be on the podcast. I hope you're proud of yourself. All right. Let's move on to show and tell so we can wrap this bad boy up. Uh, show and tell. 
I know you guys know what it is. For any new listeners, this is where me, Adam, Josh, if we had a guess, would share a product, an item, a thought, an idea, what we did, an experience, a podcast, anything at all. It's our show and tell. It's our elementary school being relived, our moment elementary school we couldn't wait for on Fridays where you can bring in something to show and tell with the class. And so that's what we do here with the listeners. And so I have something today. Do you gentlemen have something today for show and tell? I did. I brought something. Yay. Yay. You know, I hope you would know. I don't know if any of you experienced this. When you were in elementary school and you had show and tell, I don't even know if they do show and tell anymore. Josh, do they do show and tell anymore? It, it happens. It's it happens. not like a widespread practice. Gotcha. You guys are horrible people, and that's why you don't deserve more money. Okay. Show and tell <laughs> is was a great experience, and I would feel like utter shit when I would forget it. So I will never forget a show and tell. I hope you guys don't forget show and tell anymore because this is a very special moment for us. Um, so go ahead and add on me. You will start since you sound so enthusiastic. Oh, I get it. You need time to stall so you can come up with one. I have that something. Mm-hmm. I have something. Uh, anywho. <laughs> no, I, I'll go first. It's cool. Um, so mine's kind of a weird twofer in a way. So it's a YouTube channel and then specifically an interview with the guy who made that YouTube channel. Uh, so the YouTube channel is called All Gas, No Breaks. If you've never seen it, essentially what it is is it's this guy who goes out and awkwardly interviews people who are in like different events that make for really weird situations. So, for instance, um, he, he's gone and he's interviewed people who are um, like at the beach during COVID uh, protesting against the lockdown. Uh, he's gone and he's interviewed people at flat earth conventions or he's gone and interviewed people at furry conventions or just all these different things. And essentially the thing that I wanted to recommend though, is, uh, the H3 podcast did an interview with him. His name's Andrew Callahan. And the story is just so fascinating. I mean, essentially him and his best friend from high school and his best friend from college just got an RV and started going around the country, just going to different events and filming just the craziest people they could find at these events. And Andrew just has this amazing deadpan sort of uh, style of interviewing that reminds me a little bit of like uh, Nathan Fielder from Nathan for You in a, in a weird way. Um, I wonder if he's inspired by him at all. But that being said, it, it's really funny, the YouTube channel. But the interview itself just was like, man, it was so cool to me because he he just got signed by Tim and Eric's uh, production company. And this is basically a kid who just, I mean, took a risk, took a huge risk just to try and travel the world and, you know, interview people. And he tells some crazy stories on this podcast of like hitchhiking and different, I mean, he tells one story that's wild about how essentially when he was 18, he just went hitchhiking. He just, just tried to hitchhike across the country. Um, but he has a lot of really fantastic stories in the podcast. And then the, the channel itself is pretty hilarious, man. Some of those videos are just, oh my God, the, the people are just so wild. And what was the name of the podcast with the interview? Yeah, so the podcast is called the H3 Podcast. Again, the YouTube channel is All Gas, No Breaks. Gotcha. H3 podcast. Okay. I don't think I've ever listened to it. Um, I'll have to check it out. Um, Josh, do you have anything? I got, I got a couple of things. Okay. So oh, you guys are like cheating here. You don't get to bring a couple of things to the party. Okay. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> never, I'll never do it again. Okay. So in Oklahoma City, there are these motorized scooters that are becoming more and more popular. And I just want to tell people that if you're going to ride these things, especially in the streets, you need to be very careful at dark because I saw a woman making a left turn when she was crossing a lane of traffic and she got absolutely creamed by a car. And Dude, it was- how do you always see this stuff? <laughs> it made the worst sound you oh have ever God. heard. She was in so much pain. Be careful. I think she Dude. was okay. I think you're like bad luck. You got like bad omens. Yeah. <laughs> See, people I'm get drop kicked near you. They get hit by cars. Remind me to never hang out with Josh in person. I'm I'm seriously done with downtown Oklahoma City. Maybe for the rest of my life. Yeah, I was gonna say that was a public service announcement about the scooters, but more just not to hang out with Josh at this point because <laughs> it gets dangerous. It gets very. Both dangerous. of those things happened. Well, never mind. Okay, so. The second thing is a lot simpler. Uh, hummus, if you eat hummus, mm-hmm. put some hot sauce on it. I, I have started putting hot sauce on my hummus, and it, it's like my favorite thing now. Is there something wrong with me? I'm not really into hummus. Is, there something, I need, is there something I need to you do? Live in, you live in Florida. No, I was going to say the same thing about Josh. If you have to put hot sauce on hummus, you're probably just getting shitty hummus. It's fine. You guys go to grocery stores <laughs> and buy hummus. It's not like living in a city where you can buy hummus from people who make hummus, and that's what they do. And the yeah. only reason that their business survives is because people go there to buy their hummus because those places exist in Chicago. I'm going to sell hot sauce in front of a hummus shop in Chicago. I mean, it sounds good. Like, I'd probably put hot sauce on hummus, so I'm not really knocking it. But you're probably only putting it on there because the hummus isn't good enough by itself. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I had some better hummus this weekend, and it did not need hummus. But when I buy my grocery store hummus, which I actually do, I definitely put hot sauce on it. There is a Mediterranean grocery store by me, and I'm not even kidding. The only reason that they've stayed in business for, I think, like 40, 50 years is because they have this hummus that, like, everyone goes to. It's crazy. But – there are places like that, and dude, when you have food like that, it's it's wild because it's just like I've had store bought hummus and it's terrible. And then there's this stuff that like I can't even describe it. It's so good. Uh, I mean, oh man, now I want to go buy some. You should go buy some and send it to Josh. I don't think it'd keep. <laughs> can't you put it in like dry ice or something? Come on. Don't make excuses. Dude, how much money do you want me to spend on shipping Josh hummus? He's worth it, is he not, Adam? Yeah, Josh, just PayPal me 50 bucks. I'll get you some hummus fun. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. Uh, I'll, what I have today is a new podcast that I, I was just going through. Like, I don't know how many people actually browse like the podcast apps to see like what's new and stuff, but like I do it sometimes. And um, I, I came across this podcast. Uh, actually, I want to make sure I get the name of it before I – um, say anything else but it's it's a uh, it's called zach to the future um and you know this is probably pretty nerdy or something but uh for anyone who watched saved by the bell back in the day um this podcast is basically uh mark paul gosler who is zach morris on saved by the bell and uh, a gentleman named dashiell driscoll i'm not familiar with the man uh, apparently he has a, a youtube um series um or on funny or die or written series called zach morris is trash and basically it was like explain all the things that Zach Morris did on Say by the Bell that was like illegal basically or you know something you would never be able to do today in today's society. Um and so this podcast is those two guys talking to, and kind of like rewatching the whole show 
and, and going over it and all these details for him, for Mark Paul, who plays Zach Morris again, uh, who said he's never seen the show in his life. He said he's never watched an episode, barely ever. Um, and so it's this really interesting series. I thought it was an interesting concept. You guys know I love podcasts and, you know, people doing these out of the box, creative content type of things. So I thought it was a pretty cool idea. It's only got one episode, I believe, or at least that's all I started on. Um, I believe it's one episode in as of this recording. Um, but I just thought it was pretty cool, like how they, you know, revisit the show and recap like these epic moments and all these kind of things. But it's it's funny how little he knows about his own character that he played. Um but yeah, it's a pretty interesting show, and I just it's different out of the box instead of the same old, same old. Uh, so I recommend it if anyone was a fan of uh, Saved by the Bell. Were either one of you Saved by the Bell fans? Yeah, I watched it. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it wasn't the best show in the world, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't too shabby. It wasn't too shabby. At this point in my life, uh, Zach Morris is most famous for being Rich Rebar's Twitter avatar. So yeah, seriously. <laughs> Yeah, so he should probably go back and watch that then too. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting. It's something different, man. I try to find stuff that are different out of the ordinary, hot honey, and now Zach to the future. I'm hitting you guys with the stuff. You know what I mean? I'm not out in the streets like Josh. I don't got people getting drop kicked around me, hit by cars around me. I don't got those. Neil, stars. I noticed in my Netflix queue today that that fear that mob show you talked about last week, and I'm I'm definitely gonna watch it watch when I get it. a chance. And I watch the most ridiculous things on there, man. Like, I'll just, man, I have no interest in things until I watch them on there. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I'm watching a Frank Sinatra one now. I've never heard of Frank Sinatra in my life, really. And here oh, I am. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. And now I'm like watching. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty fucking interesting. This dude is pretty cool. Oh, Frank. Yeah. So I'm like, try this. It's, one it, of my best friends growing up was like obsessed with Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. He still is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty interesting story he's got there. So that's yeah, just, you know, I didn't want to give another Netflix series. Though, so I went podcast today. Um, all right, so that's our show and tell. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did and you guys are dibbling, dabbling into these things. Um, that's it for the show, too. That's it. That's all we got. Josh, you can be found on Twitter at JC Crocker. I'm giving it out today so you guys don't have to do it. Adam can be found at the other FF guy. That's where you can find Adam. And you can find me at Clock Dodgers on Twitter, Instagram, all those good things. That's where you can find us. As always, we appreciate everyone who's been reaching out, giving us questions for the show topics you want us to discuss all those good things uh we we can't thank you guys enough thank you guys for the uh reviews for the subscriptions all that good stuff this thing just continues to grow and we can't thank you guys enough for that it's a lot of fun Uh, but other than that man i think that's it i got nothing else for them josh adam anything before we send them off Ah, everyone take it easy have a good week that's right slap the subscribe button leave a five-star review as always be kind be great keep that keep that